welcome to Tales in Our Time. I'm Janet. I'm George. Hope you're doing well today. We are having a great afternoon. Um, yeah, hope your air quality is good. Oh, yeah, because mine is kind of sucky. You can't see beyond the tree line out my window right now. Just, I don't like it. And also, I think it's given me, like, runny eyes, but whatever. Sorry about your wildfires, Canada. That must suck. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump right in. George, what are you reading right now? Oh, yeah. I just started um, Let Us Believe in the Beginning of the Cold Season by Farouk Farasad. Um, this was a book I picked up on the recommendation of my local bookseller. Um, it is a collection of poems and, uh, also one of her, her, her posthumous book by the same name, let us believe in the beginning of the cold season. Um, Farouk Farasad was, uh, uh, very influential Iranian poet, uh, feminist trailblazer, um, who tragically died at 32 in 1967. Um, Whoa! So this and is quite I, a, yeah. That was a great year as well. Yeah, it was. It was a great year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, uh, I was just recommended it just on the, the pure span of her voice. Um, it's like, it's, uh, it, it, you know, it lasts the ages. Um, so I'm excited. I've just started it very recently. Um, and I think you've yeah. read her, her books before, right? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that there's one. Oh, oh okay. Well, we can talk about that later. <laughs> oh, well, so I'm still reading The Boy Who Dream Monsters. I'm also hoping to dive into a book that we've talked about before, The Quest Love uh, Rhythm of Time. Uh, YA adventure story, sort of time traveling. Some I bought for a young friend who I'm going to have to give it to within the next few days. So if I'm going to read it, I better get on with it. But I'm excited oh, to read it. You hate, you hate when you have to give books away to kids. Ugh. Yeah, I, I hopefully they'll like it. I hope they like it. <laughs> anyway, so that, you know, that's what's on my uh, nightstand right now. Um, do you have any literary news for us, George? Uh, just a little bit. Um, I'm a big fan of T.J. Klein, uh, the author of The House on the Cerulean Sea, and another book that I haven't read yet, so I don't have the uh, title on hand. Uh, he's coming out with a new book called Wolf Song. Um, I'm very excited for it. Uh, it's It appears to be about a young boy growing up next to a family of werewolves. Love that. Love that for him. Love that for us. I'm going to eat that up um, when it comes out, hopefully soon. That's Interesting. Okay. Well, I haven't got any literary news today, I'm afraid. Um, just because, you know, also, big shout out still to the um, WGA strikers. Um, I'm hoping that by the time this is actually put in a place where anybody can listen to it, that that will be resolved. And if it's not, then um, we still support you, you know? Yeah. Let's give Shame them what they the deserve. Streamers if it's still unresolved i hope not so and we know that we had gone past uh into the third month at this point so that's yeah. too long um okay that's all i got for news though okay so let, let's jump in yeah what are we talking about man 
So today's genre is um, murder mysteries, which I'm kind of excited about because unlike horror from our last recording, this is like my genre of choice. Um, this is your bag, baby. This is definitely my bag, baby. Uh, you know, aside from books that have been recommended specifically to me, um, nine times out of ten, if you ask me what I'm reading at the moment, it will be some kind of murder mystery. Um, and I've got a set bunch of authors that I read as well, and I feel I often feel guilty about like reading the same people. But if it's good, it's good, you know. And we we all yeah. have that choice. Life is full of like choices. It, you like it? That's all. Yeah. So, um, so I want to first off. I'm kind of jumping around a little bit more than I planned to, but I, I want to change the way that I was going to talk about this. Uh, so murder mysteries are kind of defined as um, being based around a crime that's been committed. And the central character is often a detective or some kind of investigator, whether they be police or private, mm. private detectives or whatever. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of what we're talking about. And historically, uh, mystery writing goes back as far as the Middle Ages, so way, way, way back in the year 1000s, in the distant past. The, the early arts. The early arts, as you like to say, George. Um, and they were written in play form. And like so many genres that we've looked at, uh, they often came from Bible stories um, were used, you know, as a way to sort of give people moral compasses, but also as explanations of why things were happened. Uh, an example would be like the murder of Abel, um, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. There weren't much mystery to that, though. I think they told you pretty it's much off. That's Cain. Yeah. That's Cain. That's Cain. I it's think kind it's of Kane. hard to have a whodunit when there are two options and yeah. one of them is the dead guy yeah i mean yeah that's probably like the simplest simplest murder mystery that's ever been written um as well as one of the oldest but yeah that's kind of funny but yeah so as i said like so many they were often um based around bible stories and then in the 13th century um populations sort of drifted away from religion and from churches and so writers, you know, did the same and they started moving away from religious content and they sort of introduced satire into their writing, which I was kind of surprised at, like that that would go back so far, because that's like a form of, you know, humorous, you know, quite, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like not intellectual, but sort of like highbrow comedy is satire. Mm. And I, I, I mean, think about like jesters, right? Well, yeah, or true, true enough. Satire. That's a good, a good point, George. I'll In give you that one. Like court. Yeah, but um, so yeah, so that I, that was a surprise to me when I was looking that up. Um, but this move away from religious content mm. continued until you know, like the end of the 16th century, and continued to develop in England as quite elaborate storytelling again in the format of plays. And they would have like really elaborate sets with like trap doors. And, you know, so yeah. there was a lot more scope for that mysterious happenings. Um, that's kind of all I've got on the really ancient past, I'll be honest. But um, so that's pretty awesome, though. 
It does yeah. align a lot with theater history as well. I know we like talk kind of around that, but you know, with the birth of the church and a lot of the like hidden like surprise trapdoors and stuff like that, like there's definitely parallels. Yeah, and and I think you can relate that to sort of mysteries that came much later, sort of in the nineteenth uh, and twentieth century, when you've got those sort of we we talked about clues sort of whodunit type mysteries where there was mm. always like a secret passage or you know that sort yeah. of maybe you might say it's cheesy but it's also quite entertaining so with that said uh jumping ahead to the early 19th century um before this time there weren't like formalized police forces in communities and so crime wasn't such a um in your face occurrence you know and like so many things similar to the horror episode, which was the last recording we did, um, people would think of perhaps less than rational explanations of why things happened, why people died, why things mm. disappeared. They weren't necessarily sort of thinking rationally. It was it was more sort of uh, demonic, if you like. Anyway. <laughs> demonized. <laughs> Saying De- it's demonic sounds like... Demonic. Demonized. There okay. were, the, yeah. Thank there you. were cultists doing all the... <laughs> well, maybe so. Oh, my yeah, God. there's no proof. It's Whatever. true. Anyway, so, you know, so, so <laughs> crime and the rationale of sort of crimes being committed wasn't such a, a widely accepted thing. But then at the, in the early 19th century, um, people were reading more and as a result of this they developed a more individualistic thinking which led them to uh, think about you know respect for human reason and that desire to problem solving um, and sort of think about that sort of rational explanation for things rather than relying on you know religious text yeah uh, or, or sort of like you know, fantastical explanations, like you said, George. So, um, so that's kind of like a, a historical viewpoint. Um, looking at some of the early recognized writers from, you know, like the 18th and 19th century, Voltaire's Zadig was one that I pulled up. I wasn't familiar with it. I recognized the name Voltaire, which is why I put it in there. But that was dated 1747. So that was pretty oh, long yeah. time, time ago. Yeah, pretty yeah, long yeah. time ago. Yeah, pretty yeah. long time ago. I wasn't around. I wasn't. No, uh, no, I hadn't even got out of bed at that point. But um, <laughs> shut up. And then following on from that, you've got Edgar Allan Poe, The Murders in uh, the Rue Morgue, which was, was published in yeah. 1841. Did he did a bunch of murder. Didn't he? Murder. 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 I can't say it like that, but yes, okay. It's um, it's such a shame how bad the word is for how fun it is to say. In yeah. A variety of regional accents. Moida, murder. Murder. Um, I think Edgar Allan Poe's an interesting example, actually, because you've got, like, the murder mystery side of it, but it also he, he dipped his toe quite well into, like, that horror genre as well, and so... Yeah. You know, and also maybe there's a lot of crossover between the two things. Um, moving on. Uh, <laughs> just coming up with some examples. Uh, Wilkie Collins wrote The Woman in White, which was published in 1860, which oh, yeah. 
is a quite well uh, recognised example. And then you've got Arthur Conan Doyle introduced Sherlock Holmes to us in 1887. So that just feels crazy that it was like two centuries ago. Yeah. Why, no offense, the fuck are we still hearing Sherlock Holmes series? Because he's beloved. I mean, I think he was a bit of a... I mean, personally, I don't don't think he was a terribly nice person. No, I think Arthur Conan Doyle was a bit of a bastard. And a spy as well, who did, like, bastard stuff. Yeah, so... um, but doesn't you know, mean he can't. A lot of artists are bastards. <laughs> I know, and I think that's something we've said before as well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it hurts my heart actually every time I find that out. It's like, yeah. You know, when I've read something, oh my goodness, that's so fantastic. And then I read something about the author and, and it's not so fantastic. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if I can read that. Anymore. It makes me a little sad. So, so that's something about the past. Um, present day, so, um, so yeah, like George said, Arthur Conan Doyle, whatever you think about him, is still current today. People are still reading him, people are still making you know, uh, television dramas around his stories. How the Basque Baskervilles, Baskervilles, how did the Baskervilles, yeah, um, so still very relevant today, um. Agatha Christie, who was a big fan of Arthur Conan Doyle, which yeah, she she gets a pass. I do like you know, I like her. You like her, okay, okay. Well, when was when was Agatha Christie writing? Agatha Christie Uh (laughs) after after Arthur Conan Doyle. That is very true. Agatha Christie uh, from eighteen ninety to nineteen seventy six. Okay, so in the twentieth century. 1890, did you say? Yeah, to that was when she was born. Oh, okay. All right. So she wasn't writing for those first ten years. No, no. I was going to say, okay. So the (laughs) the early part, the early part of the 20th century, Agatha Christie. Yes. So in her defense, she didn't actually ever know him, so she didn't get to know that Arthur Conan Doyle was a total bastard. Well, yeah, fair play. No, but I I do love a bit of Agatha Christie though. I, I. We'll say. Well, fair play to you then, George. But um, I think there were people who said, you know, she wanted to be Arthur Conan Doyle. Unfortunately, I think, you know, one of her biggest um, hurdles generally was the fact she was a woman, you know, because we think mm. the 20th century, oh, that's quite modern. But the, the early part of the 20th century still was having a hard time accepting women doing anything. I mean, some people would say that that is still the case. Well, well. Of course, she was the author of the, um, you know, well-known due to uh, PBS and whatever TV networks play it, uh, the Poirot, Hercule Poirot series, which is a Belgium detective, which, you know, uh, where she got the inspiration for that, I'm sure I would love to know. But um, Probably Arthur Conan Doyle. You need a detective, like a key guy. Damn it. Damn. And of course, you know, um, this makes me think of, um, oh shit, what was her name? Uh, Angela Lansbury, because she wrote Miss Marple oh, yeah. as well, and Angela Lansbury played Miss Marple. Yeah, rest so, in peace. 
Yeah, absolutely. So there we go. Um, and, you know, the thing with murder mysteries, they present us with a problem and then they use a narrative to lead us hopefully to a solution at the end of that story. Um, and I think maybe that's one of the reasons I find them quite appealing because there is always like a final ending. You know, you're never left kind of thinking, oh, well, what, what did they do next? You know, which mm -hmm. I sometimes feel entertainment generally or different forms of media I often want more, but maybe that's a sign of a good narrative. I'm not sure. Um, and then jump in um, to a more current writer, Anthony Horowitz, who's written, you know, pretty much most genres that I can think of. He's written YA stuff. He's written murder mysteries. He's written yeah. historical fiction. I mean, it just goes on and on at night. Um, I hope I never find anything bad out about him. I haven't thus far, so... <laughs> Um, I am a staunch Anthony Horowitz uh, fan, but he resists the urge to Google him right now. Yes, please do. We'll see if we have to issue you a correction. Can, no, for don't make me episode. cry. Oh my gosh. Stop. Stop. Um, Sorry. I don't mean to be cackling in the background. So he also, Anthony Horowitz wrote a series uh, called The Magpie Murders, and that was recently televised, and he did an interview at as part of that uh, tel televisation? Is that a word? Well, yeah. televisation? A part of that presentation that was on the television, um, he gave an interview <laughs> and he said that a good murder mystery should allow the reader to figure out who did it halfway through. I might be a bit slow on the uptake, um, possibly. But... I've never found that to be the case. I've had ideas, and nine times out of ten, they're usually wrong. But um, we can live in hope. And I, I, I feel like it's so fun to think you know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's it's way better to be it. like, it's definitely the butler it's until the page ninety nine. Kill him! Oh no! no. It was the, it was the five year old the sitting in the corner. Time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 oh, this was a this was a story about child megalomaniacs the whole time. Yeah, and um, so just bouncing off you mentioning the butler, funny enough, um, just want to mention sort of, um, you know that if you think of there was a sort of a sub category, I guess, of murder mysteries of like um, whodunits, you know, mm. and I think that. Um, love it's Agatha Christie definitely falls into that category to some extent Arthur Conan Doyle does but um, I think that they have key characteristics um, or, or features that make them a whodunit you know like you've got an ensemble of people and it's almost like a game of Clue or Cluedo in England um, hilarious yeah where it was like you know, the butler in the living room with the candlestick or whatever. Um, so I think it, <laughs> it, it's important to, you know, recognise that as, as a part of this genre. Um, something else that I think, and this, you know, this is just conversation, so a lot of this is just my opinion, but um, something I've come across reading murder mysteries for many, many years, well, say the last decade or whatever, but anyway, for a while, um, you often 
you do come across, particularly in um, authors who've written a series based around a, a specific uh, detective or investigator, that they develop a format for their writing, especially when they get beyond about book three or four in the series. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, they, they develop this format, you know, they've got like a routine background for the story and this one person who goes and experiences this crime and then they solve it. And it's not just the storyline or the environment, it's the language as well. I find like a lot of these sort of like serial um, writers use a lot of the same terms and it's, it takes me around two or three books. Once I've read three and I can clearly recognize the same phrasing, the same sort of basic um, storyline, but with the different colors, if you like, you know, it's like the same color in picture, but with different markers used. Um, yeah. <laughs> not that I use coloring <clears throat> books all the time. Maybe. Um, no, no. Who, who children use coloring books? I mean, my coloring books, what swear words in them actually so it's grown up but um but once you've identified that i think it can be uh it can be a blessing and a curse because it's a blessing it makes it an easy read and you can anticipate what's going to happen and so you know what you're getting you know what you see is what you get but the downside of that is that you can predict predict not predict predict the plot and the stories can get a bit boring and um I think examples of this, like MCB and Rest of Soul wrote the Hamish Macbeth series and the Agatha Raisin series, and they are very much like that. MCB and, again, Rest of Soul um, loved the aquiline nose and loved <laughs> making comments about the size of the female character's boobs, you know, and she'd... she'd you know, there would be like situations where the detective Hamish Macbeth would meet a stranger in the village and the description of her would always be like, oh, she had well-formed breasts or, <laughs> you know, you know, she obviously dyed her hair so was older than she looked. And things like that. Lots of um, sort of quite cutting physical comments, but they were that, that was how she um, worked with her female characters, uh, which, like I say... You know, it's reassuring in the same way as sometimes it's a bit annoying. Um, another example of that is Nevada Barr, who wrote um, oh, yeah. the stories about this park ranger who went to all these different Mentioned parks. on this podcast before. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, she I gets don't... the shout out. No, it's good. But um, And she, she um, so this park ranger goes to different parks, national parks around the country, Big shout out to National Park Rangers. I love National Parks. So I think they're one of the best things about this country, just saying. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and the character who's the park ranger goes to the park and a crime happens. Doesn't matter where she is, <laughs> a crime happens. And she is like a jumping, climbing trees, fighting, but still has her hair looking gorgeous type park <laughs> ranger. And... She solves the crime at the end of the day. There, there. I've read all of those books, I'll be honest, and I think there's like 14 in the series. And I like oh. them 
specifically because they're about national parks. They've introduced me to a lot of <laughs> national parks. And also I've visited some of the national parks that are in those stories, which is like a, you know, it's a bit like a twofer. It's not just a yeah. good read. But they are very formulaic. So, um, yeah. All right. Enough about that. That's just some of my thoughts on murder mysteries. No, I I love kind of the examination of archetypes in murder mysteries in particular because, like, it how fun for it to be a a story format as well as just like a type of story. Like, it's not a loose type of story. It's like a sequence of events. Someone has to die. We have to not know who did it, and then we have to find out who did it. We have to do a big reveal. And it's cool to see, like, all the ways in which that has been implemented and re-implemented. And it's like, yeah, in a perfect world, we wouldn't rely on archetypes or, like, structures to make, to outline our stories or whatever. But it's what we love, you know? I think there is a certain amount of comfort in those, in that kind of writing, you know? And, you yeah. know, fair, fair play to those authors that they were successful um, in doing that, yeah. so... And it's not even. I mean, Terry Pratchett's uh, the City Watch. I think Mm -hmm. that's like uh, sub series inside a Discworld. Um, I I remember I recently read Feet of Clay, which was a great murder mystery, Um, and uh, you know that's it's different and weird because it's Pratchett uh, and he's delightful at that. But at the same time, it is a murder mystery several times over, you know, there are, there are these like detective stories that have a bit of a, a bit of a recognizable bent. So even if you're getting into like the weirdness of Discworld, you can, you can latch on to that familiarity. And I like that you, you actually brought Terry Pratchett up again, RIP. Um, yeah. Because we talk about, um, murder mysteries in the present day. And I think one of the things that has and is happening is that authors have been prepared to, uh, you know, make it to change it up a little bit. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be set around a police department or one specific community. It can be more creative than that. Cause Terry Pratchett, I mean, I think if you told people who weren't big fans of his, Oh, this is a murder mystery. They'd be like, but doesn't he write like uh, fantasy, fantasy sci-fi? Yeah, I want weird stuff, and it's like it is. It's weird. Yeah, but he's got this backdrop of that fantasy, but it's a murder mystery, and I I really like that. And I think um, that in the modern times, authors have developed sort of more complicated story arcs that kind of aren't so easy to predict. Um, a good example, mm. I think, is a book by. One of my favorite authors probably mentioned her before, Tana French, The Witch Elm, mm-hmm. which is definitely a murder mystery. But also, you don't really know it's a murder mystery until about, I don't know, nearly halfway through the story. It's like this family drama with these um, three cousins and their parents and then this single uncle. And um, this the main character has goes through this traumatic event and ends up going to stay with his uncle while he's recovering from it. But he has this sort of uh, rose-tinted impression of what his childhood and relationships with his cousins was like. And once he starts seeing them at his uncle's house as adults, he starts to realise they didn't actually view it like that. And they thought he was a bit of a a kiss-ass, if you like. 
but also so so you you when you start reading you think it's about like a family drama kind of thing but then it kind of shifts and all of a sudden mm. there's an investigation going on and you know turns out a murder has happened at this house and um, i'm not going to say anymore because i don't want to spoil it because it's an excellent book but um she she's just very very skilled at kind of leading you a merry dance uh mm. and uh, along the same way as that um another series which is quite current within the last few years uh the thursday murder club by richard osman oh yeah yeah i like this one because although it does have a lot of those like uh archetypes like you're saying you know like the the lead investigator and they're in this one situation and then a crime happens and then you know you've got those basic ingredients but the thing i love about it is it's a set in a retirement village right <laughs> all these people who are over 70 and one of the main characters is a former secret service you don't really know which secret service but she's got all these weird contacts and random russians who will give her information and things and she she sort of puts together this little group of her neighbours, essentially, and they start solving murders. And um, and I just think it's great because... Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like it because I, I think going forward, like other genres that we've talked about, what needs to change is, like, the diversity that uh, these kind of stories are sort of focused on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I do love that. I think we had talked, you'd mentioned this story. I didn't remember it when you first started talking about it now, but you'd mentioned it um, before. And I, I love, you love a story focused on senior citizens. Like what a, like very, in, in very much the same way that ableism erases uh, disabled people from our narratives, uh, ageism Pretty much as soon as you're not useful to the capitalism machine anymore, you don't get stories written about you. And it's yeah. like, ah. And I do, I do think that, you know, it, it's every time I sort of experience something or read something or whatever where people have been discarded because of their age, you know, and it might not be like really obvious. It might be in kind of subtle ways, but... um. Mm. It, it really hurts my heart. And I think in the same way that we think that, you know, uh, people from LGBTQ communities and um, different racial backgrounds and things should be reflected in the uh, narratives that we read, then people from all different age groups should be, you know, yeah, you know, represented. It's, it's we're all trying to, or we should all be trying to distance ourselves from like the the perfect american stereotype which is like a white man in his 20s to mid 30s able to run a mile in 2 minutes and you know bench press his wife and kids you know what i mean like it's anything Whenever you write genuine and, like, well-researched stories about different populations and, like, different characters, it's always going to be more interesting because it is less known, 
right? Like, if you're appealing to mainstream readers and, like, you're presenting them something out of the mainstream culture, they're going to be like, oh, I didn't, know, I didn't know this. I'm learning new stuff about this. Yeah. Granted, we're, we're a little bit, you know, preaching well, to the choir. If you, if you read books, you probably feel this way. Publishers should really be the ones uh, responsible for, you know, ensuring the right stories are being heralded. Um, but that's a whole, that's not something we're going to solve. No, probably not. I mean, and as, you know, as we've said before, we are narrative nerds and we, we do love all stories, although I'm not a big horror fan. We've already established that. But... Um, you always have to mention it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> as an umbrella term, I think, you know, that it does make uh, reading more interesting if your characters are different than what you're used to. And also it should be accessible to all people. So everybody should have the right to read about people like them if they so choose. I mean, I think that's more relevant in um, like YA narrative writing, you know, Mm. kids should be able to relate to uh, characters that are represented in the books they read. But, you know, I I think it's just always, it's always a, not a wake up call, but it's almost enlightening when you read something that's a little bit out of your, you know, what your normal, I guess. You know. Yeah. But um yeah. murder mysteries are better. my normal. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And now I'm like I'm glad know. I'm glad we got to do an episode that was just like your one of your genres cuz yeah. I, f- I felt bad about his uh, horror. Well, uh, you know what? I, I hope here's my thing. And we talked about like this just sort of being fun for us. But um, when we did the horror thing, I learned stuff that I didn't know. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, from this, there are a few bits and pieces that maybe you didn't know. And so if we can walk away with one new thing, then um, I think that's awesome. And, how, you know. How old murder mysteries are. How that's old crazy. murder mysteries are. Yeah. Old as, Taylor's oldest time. In the words of Angela Lansbury. Uh, Oh, whoa, what a crossover. Yeah. Dang. yeah. Murder, she sang. Murder, she sang. Or oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anything else you want to say about Murder Mysteries, Mum? No, I think, you know, definitely I would recommend everybody to read Murder Mysteries. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough. There are so many great, I mean, some of my favorites, Anne Cleves, who wrote the Shetland series and the Vera Stanthope series. Um, she, so I think maybe once you've got like a main character that you are writing again and again, then you're going to drift into what we were talking about, that formulaic. But she's really good at keeping you guessing. Mm. Um, I think she's a really, uh, a strong writer and another one is uh val mcdermott who mm-hmm. wrote um she's written lots of i think her stuff borders on like it's murder mystery but it's also a bit of thriller because hers are usually quite gritty mm. um sure. but yeah so definitely you know go out and look for some mysteries uh, and also um of course just because i haven't mentioned it so far but you know, there are some great uh, YA mystery writers as well. Mm, you know, mm. um, I'm trying to think of an Can't think of any of them right now. No, because I was focused. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. 
We did. You did do a lot of great work in the in the research. I want to give you kudos for that. Um, Thank you so much. What are some some YA? It's hard to have murder mysteries in YA. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you, you there are mysteries though. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got one, and it's right at the edge of my brain. Artemis Fowl was kind of a mystery Mystery, series, but yeah. that's just because there were fairy cops. Yes, that's if true. You, if you put a detective agency in the middle of it, it becomes a mystery whether you want it to or not. I mean, also, the the curious incident of the uh, dog, mm, yeah, the, dog in the night time, um, I'm still on the fence as to whether I think that's YA. I know you were about, what, mm-hmm. 14 when you read that? Yeah, too young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know. I, it's a brilliant story, but some of it might be quite. I don't know. A, adult. There's there's adult. There's themes adult there. themes. Yeah, but then yeah. again, I I do think, um, and this is completely being off topic, but but I do think as time's gone Us? on, Us? never. Yeah, yeah. The lines between adult and young adult have become very blurred, and I think we've talked. Yeah. No. Hey. Well. Hey. Chill out now. Um, I'll say uh, Max Gladstone wrote a really good fantasy murder mystery by the name Three Parts Dead. Would recommend that one. Three parts dead. Three births dead. What did you Three say? Three parts dead. Three. Parts I think. Dead. I always try and um, pay attention when you throw out um, books that I haven't heard of before. Yeah. Three Parts Dead by Max Gladstone. It is uh, the first of a series, the craft sequence. It's all about magical detectives and lawyers. It's very good. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, uh, Becky and I recently bonded over a murder mystery. My favorite thing is Monsters. It's a graphic novel by Emil Harris. Um, But it starts with the death of a lady in the protagonist's apartment building. Well, so here's the thing. What's the thing? I know there are a lot of, um, you know, adult graphic novels. Mm-hmm. But that's something else I just never... Because, like, there weren't graphic... Never got into? No, not really. Mm. I think maybe I tried to read some when you were reading them as a kid, but um, it just never worked for me as reading material... But maybe that's something I need to try harder at. I don't know. Anyway, murder mysteries are great. Go out there, find some tales that you like, tell some tales, share some tales. Tell some tales. And we'll see you next time. Hear you next time. No, you might hear us next time if you're listening. We won't. We'll never see. We'll never. No, absolutely. We're hiding. It's a secret. Anyway. Bye. Bye, thanks for listening.